This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is episode one of the Electric Speakeasy podcast, a roundtable discussion with Fedora Chronicles radio show regulars and special guests such as fellow retrocentrics, retro futurists, and retronauts. This week, we feature special guests John Pika from the Diesel Powered Podcast and Jennifer Robinson Henry, who is a longtime listener and first time caller. In this episode, we talk about women of cosplay, sexual harassment at the conventions, nerd hygiene, and Paramount Studios slapping down their own Ten Commandments on Trekkie fan films. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Get a light. So, well, there, there you have it. So there you go. So anyway, right off the bat here, um, I, you know, he, here's the thing. Because when I said that I was going to do a podcast, and, and Jen here is staring off his face because... <laughs> Because the thing is, is that we said that we were going to do a podcast on women of cosplay and diesel punk or retro punk. And yeah. there were so many people who were excited about the idea for the podcast. And then they totally, they said, oh, I can't wait to hear this podcast. <laughs> but when I said, yeah, we're going to start recording at 830. It's like I sent this like, oh, no, no, I'm dying to hear it. I'm dying to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Yeah, we'd like some participation, please. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not giving a participa- participation trophies to people who don't show up. So. Oh, you, you're uh, you're uh, you're rubbing the rhubarb there. <laughs> no participation trophies. So, are we going to keep that topic for tonight, or are we going to we're going to do something else? No, I think we should keep the topic. Okay. Uh, well, Jen, are you are you comfortable with that topic? I have no idea. Oh, see, that's what makes it fun now. <laughs> sure, I'll talk about anything. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Oh, that's a wide open door. I'm not going to walk through it, though. <laughs> Jen is kind of like my... She's not kind of like my adopted sister. She, I, I have adopted her as my sister because, you know, <laughs> you can't pick... They say you can't pick your family, but oh, no. <laughs> I, tra- I traded in my old model for a younger one, so... <laughs> that's good good stuff so but i'm keeping the same wife though because it, it took for ages to break her in so and yeah yeah i get that so but the thing is is that if it's just going to be the three of us and people may drop in later on um i i do think that it, it's going to take a different slant though because i think that there are other things that i think the three of us could talk about in the topic of women in cosplay and diesel punk and I think that since um, um, I, I think that uh, do we do we want to start the show officially now or 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 what or what do we want to do here? Do we want to wait longer and just chit chat? Uh, I mean, it's I, I don't know how you feel. You know, I I'd say let's go ahead and start and okay. uh, see what happens. Well, for the for the. For the, for the official uninitiated here, I think that one of the things that I really wanted to talk about first and foremost 
is that one of the groups that I belong to on on Facebook is um, uh, cosplay is not cons- c- consent. Or okay, uh, yeah. and, and the thing is, is that cosplayers against harassment and bullying. And reading a lot of the stories here. Now, of course, the thing is, is that I, I'm, I'm a red-blooded American. Um, 110% in a committed relationship, but I'm still, I'm still a heterosexual man. And I, I like looking at beautiful women. I, I especially, As well you should. I, that is the that is the true American pastime. It is, but the thing is, is that I mean, I love beautiful women so much. I married one, and the th- but one of the things I, I I didn't realize until a short while ago is is that this whole thing about harassment towards female cosplayers was a, is a lot more pervasive than than I originally thought, and that there are a lot of women cosplayer players out there who dress provocatively, who get hit upon. A lot at conventions and and uh, public gatherings and stuff like that, and it was just like, um, did you know about this problem, John? Oh yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm a member of a group here in Nashville called uh, Cosplay Collective. Um, I help them uh, form it, and they're a they're a cosplay group that specializes in cosplay. They do uh, charity events. And- hospital visits and stuff like that and um that uh that harassment in the cosplay community has been a big hot button issue for for a while and uh, we we hosted a panel um cosplay collective hosted a panel at a con not long ago uh called cosplay is not consent at uh, indie PopCon. right and um you know it was on that very topic of what is and is not appropriate for uh, behavior at a con when you're around cosplayers, and not just not just talking about women cosplayers and, and how you treat them, but men as well. Yeah, exactly. It, it actually does go both ways, but it is more pre- prevalent for there to be what we call harassment, quote unquote, um, among men towards women. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that, I have a theory of why that is. Well, I have a theory as well, and I, I would, I would, I would bet a bottle of gin that gin does as well. <laughs> what's What's your theory about why why this happens? My theory about why women tend to be subject to this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, women are beautiful to look at, and. Yeah. Um, and you know, often they are very scantily clad. Um, so I mean, you you can't help but look. Although there's definitely a difference between looking and you know being obnoxious about it um, or, or saying obnoxious things. Um, I was just up in um, Ottawa a month ago for the the Ottawa Comic Con, and there was a big um, movement there that. Um, Throughout the day, this group would travel throughout the con, um, promoting that that same idea that um, that uh, cosplay did not equal consent um, in any way. And um, it was kind of nice to see that in person. Um, it, before that, it had been st- something strictly I read online, but uh, and actually gotten to see you know groups of people kind of form together and 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 make a movement. So that was kind of nice. 
John, wh- why, why do you think that this is so prevalent? Why, why do you think that this happens so often? <clears throat> because comic book geeks have no social skills. I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit deeper than that. Um, for the most part, uh, there's a new phenomenon in, in the comic book geek culture world of these insanely hot women uh, getting into geek culture and, and cosplaying and, yes, wearing very provocative outfits. Now, mm-hmm. when I was, when I was a, a high schooler, college age, those women not only weren't into comics and geek culture, they didn't exist in real life. <laughs> or at least not in my circles. Right. And you know, if if I were a high school kid back then and I saw someone like a Yaya Han or um uh you know uh Nicole Nicholson or, or some of the other, you know, known name cosplayers wearing what they're wearing, I, I don't know that I wouldn't have been a complete and total noob myself yeah because here's what happens you know these these guys and whether they're 13 or 45 and look i'm gonna i'm gonna say something that's gonna offend a lot of comic book and geek culture fans so i'm just warning you right now we do have the explicit tag we have the explicit (laughs) tag you can say no 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 harsh language well it is harsh but um, nothing not safe for work. Okay. The, the the problem is, is that most of these these guys are still they're stuck at thirteen, whether they're thirteen or whether they're forty five. They they haven't grown up. They're emotionally immature, and you know for the most part their world revolves around either sitting playing role-playing games at the comic book shop or you know playing video games in their parents basement exactly now, that that's not a popular <laughs> thing to say but i think that resembles true. some of my friends yeah it resembles a lot of my friends too i mean hey, <laughs> mine too and and so what happens is you get these people who that's that's their life and so their exposure to tv literature and pop culture is through a very sexualized filter. Yep. Um, comics are very women in comics are very hypersexualized. Um, and, and there's some, been some progress among the big two, DC and Marvel, but among the indie books, it's still you know TNA all over the place. And so, and through video games, you look at the women in video games; they are all you know stacked and packed you know, almost subservient type characters to, to the men. Yep. And, and and we still see that in a lot of TV and movies, e- even today. And so what happens is these guys who don't have a normal social experience start to believe that what they're reading and seeing and playing is reality. And so when they are confronted in real life, with women who look like that fantasy, they expect those women to act a certain way and to be thrilled to see them, to be thrilled 
to be subservient to you know to thrilled to be groped yeah and and there's another aspect of that too and that is in the convention culture you know in in trade shows for decades uh trade show exhibitors have always had what what we call in the industry booth babes Mm -hmm. so you know you go to a car and truck show or to a boat show and you've got those those models those uh bikini models who are in the booths to specifically draw people in well there are some comic publishers and game publishers that do the same thing they hire cosplayers to dress very uh very seductively to draw people into their booth and those those girls for the most part are are just professional models of course um they don't they don't really know anything about the characters they're portraying they're given a costume to wear but because of the booth babe phenomenon and culture anyone who looks like a booth babe even if they're out on the floor Fans and attendees tend to equate them the same way. And and a booth babe is there for one reason. Well, two reasons. One, to, to draw men into the booth. And two, to, to make them want to stay there. Exactly. And they do that th- through flirting and, and through making that guy feel like he's the most important person on the planet. So <clears throat> I think those two things in combination are really what leads to this you know implied consent among among female cosplayers or towards female cosplayers I guess I should say does that make sense no that that makes that makes too much sense sense. (laughs) that makes too much sense because and and here's the thing that a lot of these groups will not talk about they will not actually come out and say what you just said. I'm not saying for the for for a minute. I'm not saying that the women have it coming or or, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that the that that the women bring it on themselves because that's that's just caveman talk. The thing is 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 that. Um, they don't have a male figure in their lives to slap them upside the head and say, that's not how you treat a woman. I think it's everything you said is exactly 100% true. But the missing, well, and- the missing element is that they don't have a real-life male role model who's not Harrison Ford or Hugh Jackman or, um, or Robert Downey Jr., uh, slaps him upside the head and says, "That's not the way you treat a woman. That's not the way you treat a woman. And if that is, if you are going to treat a woman like that, you better have an established relationship with her first. I, I, I blame the lack of dads. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and and you could be onto something there. I'll, I'll tell you this too. Um, and while I fully support the cosplay is not consent movement, the one thing that I think is being left out of the equation is that what I just said about behavior and expectation doesn't change because you say the words cosplay is not consent. 
everyone expects, and, and a lot of the women that I know in my life, cosplayers, they, they seem to think if they just say those words that everyone who hears them gets it. And the problem is when you are socially retarded, no offense. No, not, none taken. <laughs> none taken. The, 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 those, those, that, those cues don't mean the same thing to you. I can, I can tell that guy who has never known and never met a real-life girl in his life, cosplay is not consent. And it means nothing to him. No. Because he has no frame of reference. He, he really doesn't know what that means. And I think that's one of the big problems with the movement is that we just assume that everyone understands you know what that phrase means and how it how people should behave in turn and i'm saying that even if you understand what it means that doesn't mean you know how to behave no i think that's exactly that i think that that is exactly right because the same guy who would go up to um a, a convention booth babe or a fellow cosplayer and say something like I don't want to do my worst impression of Beavis or Butthead, but there's that whole thing of, uh, hey, baby, you want to come up to my room or something like that. And, and, and it was just like, hey, hey, lady, I'm a level 10 wizard, and I have wizardly ways. If you just come up to my hotel room, I can show you my magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? that I think I've had that line used before. <laughs> Does it work? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, it, I, I think it's amazing because the thing is, is that it's like, I mean, I did have, I think I had like three really great male role models who had, first of all, had said, well, first of all, uh, th this is school. Take off the Trekkie uniform. <laughs> 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 and it was just like, I, I, the thing is, is like if you're a nerdy geek and you don't spend any time doing something outside of Mama's basement, and you have no interests outside of that, and you don't know how to dress, you don't know how to groom, you don't know how to do anything else besides push a keyboard or a, a game console widget. Or, you know, or anything like that. You know, what, what do you have to offer these these girls? What do you have to offer these women? And, and why why would they hook up with you in the event that they were out for that? What what do you have to offer them? It, it does that sound mean and cruel? Oh, you're cutting out on me, Eric. No, I think we got a bad signal here. But I think what I'm saying is is that oh. I'll, 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 I, I, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I got you back. Okay. The thing is, is that a lot of these nerdy guys who don't have any of the social skills or don't have any skills outside of Mama's Basement or their favorite game console, what, what do they have to offer these women? Because they don't know how to groom. They, they don't know how to do anything that would entice a woman to go with them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And the thing is, is that I think that one of the things that we have to, and I have to tell my sons this all the time, there's something beyond just video games. You have to get into something like, I, I, I don't know, I mean, like automotive repair or something like that, or you have to get into <laughs> like, a, like a sport or something, even if it's just track and field. 
you have to do well, something. You have to learn how to do something physical. Is that is that an unfair thing to say? And are we picking? No, I I, I don't think so. And look, it doesn't have to be one of those quote unquote masculine pursuits. I, you know, I was a dancer, so you know, but when well, I was also a competitive kickboxer. So they, maybe my mine is a bad example. But no, <laughs> look, I I was I was a dancer. And so, you know, uh, when I was dancing professionally, you know, I was, I was, you know, tall, slender and fit. Um, and, and women notice, obviously it's interesting though, Eric, <clears throat> cause we're kind of veering off to, to the guy side of this. I do a panel that, well, I offer a panel to conventions that is specifically geared at teaching guys how to dress appropriately and and talking about hygiene to help them get a geek girl yeah and jen you <laughs> you you can you can speak to this I, i'm gonna say this truth and i i hope you agree with me geek girls are just as horny as geek guys this is true it is a fact <laughs> but but Geek girls can't see past ratty clothes and bo. This is true. Greasy hair. Don't don't forget greasy hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they can, they don't. Women look. This is gonna be controversial, but women are just as superficial as guys are. You know, looks matter at first impression. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. if you can, if you have a charming personality, maybe, maybe you can engage someone long enough to get past the greasy hair, the body odor, the ratty, dirty clothes. But man, why would you not want to put your absolute best foot forward from the very beginning? Because if you look like a million bucks, and look, I'm not talking about like you and I, Eric. I mean, every day I'm wearing a shirt and tie. Yep. You know, I'm dressed up. I'm not even talking about that. If you want to maintain your T-shirt and shorts, national uniform, okay, that's fine. Let's talk about what size T-shirt you should be wearing. <laughs> Let's talk about where your waist is for that pair of shorts. You know what I'm saying? Um, let, let's talk about doing the laundry. Exactly. At least once a week. I remember a couple of years back when I was at this convention and this beautiful young woman was following me around and she was wearing a um, Revenge of the Sith, Sith t-shirt. And she and we were just talking, we were just having a, conver a casual conversation. And this other guy who was interested in her, who was wearing the national, the American national uniform, as you like to call it, <laughs> and um, and he had said... How, how are you able to get that woman to talk to you? And I said, well, first of all, I got to take care of me. You need to give yourself permission to be selfish. And you have to give yourself, like, you, okay, you you will work every, every waking hour at getting your costume or your skills just right for your nerd street cred. But what are you doing about yourself? What are you doing about about for, like um, developing your mind and your body? There's like a yin and yang there. You need to develop both. 
And he said, well, no, no, I mean, and, and cut to the chase. What are you really saying here? Um, and, I, and I said to him, get a gym membership. And if you can't afford a gym membership, get a couple of dumbbells. Learn how to do some exercises. Learn how to do a couple of sit-ups and chin-ups and push-ups. And, and on top of that, like, read a couple of books that have <laughs> nothing to do with geek culture. Like, uh, a perfect example is uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War. I know that sounds like a cliché, but the thing is, is that... What, what a great book. It is. <laughs> you know, you, if you can quote one or two lines from Sun Tzu, man, you, you, you can have... The world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. Get, a, get a favorite poet and, and memorize a couple of poems and, and see where that gets you. And the thing is, is that, and the best thing to do is, is like, if you're passionate about some sort of form of art, whatever form of art it is, take up a take up a painting class, take up take up a drawing class or something like that, and get out of your comfort zone. I think that that's the biggest thing of all. I think getting living outside of your comfort zone, exploring outside your comfort zone, is the biggest aphrodisiac. Yeah, and you know. There's you talk about getting a gym membership and and you know make make no mistake not everybody can have you know chiseled six pack abs but there's a big difference and and Jen you can attest to this I think there's a huge difference between a guy who's overweight but takes obvious care of himself versus the slob who has just let everything. <laughs> yes, this is true. And and you can see you can see the difference. They they may even be the exact same size, same waist, same chest, same everything. But the guy who at least is making an effort is is going to have a different look, feel, and attitude about him as opposed to you know. The, the job of the hut sitting over in the corner playing video games. No, this is true. And I was thinking earlier what um, Eric said about his his sons and getting involved in different activities. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> anyone that would go to a con and assume that that's where they're going to really pick up somebody, I don't know. I've never gone to one and assumed <laughs> that's what was going to happen. Um, you know, you, you get to know people from engaging in different activities with them and um, and doing those things outside of the comfort zone. And, uh, yeah, the odds are a lot more likely that they will find somebody by working alongside them on some project um, than simply from walking up to them because they think they're hot. <laughs> and, and, you know, the woman is going to agree and, and, and you know, there we go. Um so, so yeah, I mean, I think all those pieces together um, equal that. But I, I don't know how exactly you you teach that. I mean, you said you you do some classes or, or some panels. Um, yeah, kind of you know, that. I do an hour-long panel, and I, I have examples that I show, and I, I talk, and we have open discussion. And, you know, I start with, the guys, the three most important words in your life are Soap and water. <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, let's really talk about how to to dress, how to how to have hygiene that is going to make you attractive to the opposite sex. It's a very sexist, you know, 
misogynistic panel. I, I have no apologies for that. Yeah. But these these are the guys who need this help. You know, I'm I'm kind of like the mystery of the comic concert. You know who I'm talking about? That yeah. guy, mystery, the pickup mm-hmm. artist. Yeah. I I think that I think that what's amazing is that before I met my wife, um, and there's this phenomenon, and I and I call this the um, convention widows, where a guy will drag his girlfriend to a comic con or a Star Trek convention or kind of any kind of um, science fiction convention, and then he just basically abandons her, and. You leave me alone with her for 15 minutes. I'm going to get your girlfriend to leave you by the end of the afternoon. And that's not fair and that's not right. But that's that's the way it was for the longest time. And I'm not sure if I'm, if, if I'm proud of it because I, I probably shattered some people. I probably shatter, shatter, shattered some fellow fellow nerds who thought that they had the one. But the thing is, is that it's like, you know, you neglect it. It's, it's like the same thing as like when you go to a casino or a sports bar or something like that. You have these women who are dragged to these things, whatever it is, and then their boyfriends or husbands ignore them. And then they wonder, oh, my God, where did she go? It's because it's like there's, there, there are sharks out there that look for the opportunities and go after it. And it was just like... I don't know. Are we getting off topic? <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering, what about the reverse? Uh, um, it, like you, like John talked about panels um, to kind of work with the geek males, and I've kind of been that person unofficially, like a like a queen of geek sort of person that tends to kind of just <laughs> grab the masses together and and prepare people for. <laughs> life i guess um but but i'm thinking okay um at any point in time is there an opportunity for you know a panel of women to to get together and say okay i want to engage in cosplay this is something i really want to do these are the characters i want to portray um but when i do so how do i do so how do i recognize that line of what's okay what's not how much should I ex- attention should I expect to receive and just accept and you know where where does it not okay because um, I think they should be prepared as well for that if they're going to jump into to doing that yeah and and you know there are some groups that are are doing workshops and panels the cosplay collective group that I'm a part of they they address that in the uh, cosplay is not consent panel that they do um, because you're right. There are a lot of girls who get into cosplay, whether it be comic book cosplay or steampunk or diesel punk cosplay, whatever, and they they think they're just going to you know dress up and have fun in a costume and don't really understand what is about to happen to them in terms of the attention and the spotlight that is shown on them. Um, so I think that is something that that needs to kind of be addressed and and not in a way that hey look if you dress this way you know you've got it coming but more of a hey listen when if you choose to do this kind of costume here is what you need to be on the lookout for here's what you need to be prepared for and here's how you handle it and i I think that just needs to come through the community and through groups that 
uh, you know, mentor new cosplayers. And, you know, I can't speak about the cosplay scene really outside of Nashville, only that here in Nashville, we've got the cosplay collective and that's what they do. They mentor cosplayers and, and D Volpe and Nancy Arch do a great job at doing it. If you guys want to check out what they do, go to cosplaycollective.org and um, check out their work. They're, they're doing awesome, awesome stuff for cosplay. But, you know, to answer your question, Jen, I, someone does need to, to come along and you know i think the other aspect of this that that we've forgotten and it just occurred to me is we're in a very a very do whatever makes you feel good kind of society right now Mm -hmm. you know um do whatever you want to do whatever you feel comfortable with is okay but then we then the hypocrisy in that is we say it's okay for me to do whatever I want, but it's not okay to, for you to do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, do you know what I'm saying? No, I know exactly what you're saying. I think the entire notion is, is that um, it's okay for me to dress like a like whatever. I I can be as provocative as I want to be. And I'm using the generic, non-specific you, me, whatever. And the thing is, is that, but as soon as I see somebody who is crossing, crossing the line, and I'm not saying about people who are outshining me, but there are there, there are there are some idiots out there who have the attitude of, well, he or she had it coming. Mostly, it's she had it coming because she was showing too much boobage, or she was she was dressed too provocatively. And of course, if you're going to dress, if you're going to dress in that spandex outfit and 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 show wonder boob, well, then of course you're going to have guys come on to you like that. And and I think that that is like, that, that's, I, I don't have words for that other than the fact that that's that's a sort of disgusting mentality. That's like saying it's like you know like she deserved it, whereas it's like nothing could be further from the truth. I don't think that girls get dressed up and say. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna dress up, and as Spider Gwen and get sexually harassed because that's my thing. Unless I mean Jen, does that actually happen? No. I think it does. But Jen, you answer that question. Well, I, I I mean I and I always feel like I'm I'm playing devil's advocate when I I do this because I, you know, I spend so much time fighting on one hand, you know, the idea that the women should not be judged that way but then there's that other part that says well you know geez they some of them might have known <laughs> you know what was about to happen um they may not have had a plan for what to do about it but you know there must have been some expectation that you might get hit on <laughs> you know um so yeah but i i don't know i may not be a judge of uh of typical well, I mean <laughs> I, I've I've known women who dress provocatively on purpose specifically to get a response. Yeah, I, I mean yeah. that is that is their goal when when they put on that low cut dress. They know they're gonna get a response and they like the response that they get. And there are certainly those people in cosplay. Um now, I'm not saying that that makes it okay for guys to be creeps. Um, 
what I am saying is that there are so many dynamics socially going on that there needs to be understanding from all sides. And, you know, when I was talking before about that, hey, do whatever you want to do. It's okay. You know, that that mentality is prevailing in in the American society. I don't know about in Europe, no. in, in America, you know, that that whole uh, progressive attitude attitude that you know what's okay for me is is okay for me and what's okay for you is okay for you and and we've we've sold that line so much that now now we're having to backtrack and say oh wait 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 okay it's okay for me as a woman to dress provocatively and to play a character and to be over sexualized by choice however the adage that Anything is okay for you is not true necessarily because we do have boundaries and we do have, you know, personal space and there are rules of public decorum. And really, that's 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 where we've lost something as a society. You know, the just you know we talk about it as diesel punks, Eric. That yeah. you know, there was a there was a sense of public decorum in years past and somewhere has gone by the wayside i I blame my parents generation for that (laughs) because the whole hippie generation whereas is like you know but but, you know having having an orgy behind the bush at woodstock i mean i say that facetiously but but the thing is is that look we, we live in a society of free porn we live in a society whereas porn is merely one click away and you can watch whatever floats your boat whatever whatever team you're pitching for you can find it out there and and my wife had this conversation with my sons and listening to it was like one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life it and listening to how that is an unrealistic expectation of sexual relationships the thing is, is that you are not going to be a pizza delivery guy with six-pack abs, showing up and knocking at the door with a woman wearing leg- um, um, lingerie, saying, "I didn't order a pizza with extra sausage." Boom, chigawawa. Boom, boom, chigawawa. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. That you know. Okay, so so you bring up another good point there, Eric. Is, is that in the world of free internet porn? And come on, let's not fool ourselves. Basement dwelling geeks are watching a lot of free <laughs> internet porn, and so they, again, what what is pornography all about? Every, very almost every one that I've ever watched, and I've not watched a lot, but my fair share, the, the women are really objects of men's physical satisfaction of course of their desire right of course um and 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 so that is again another piece of american pop culture that is reinforcing that hyper sexualized image of women and again you put a geek guy who has only been exposed to that into a situation where he's seeing a woman who is in a very sexualized costume showing everybody what she's got and 
the expectation is bow chicka wow wow you know all yeah. he's got to do is show up <laughs> and clothes start dropping and that does i mean very very rarely does that actually ever happen that's like you have a better chance of being bit by a radioactive spider and getting superhuman powers than having something like that happen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean. If I it, keep hoping, though. Yeah. <laughs> For the radioactive spider, I mean. <laughs> but I, now, here, here's a question for you, as far as like the entire and and you alluded to this on our last show. Um, is there another side of this, um, whereas women approach men? And expecting more than men are willing to, uh, to I don't want to say the word put out, but I can't think of another, uh, another, is there, yeah. is there another version of this? Is there, is there the, I know that there's a the male on female um, harassment, but, but is there the other side of, because there are some women who, whenever <laughs> they see like somebody who is, I can think of like, th like two or three women in particular, whenever they see somebody doing Indiana Jones cosplay, they lose their minds. Mm, I'm not one of them. No, I know you're not one of them. <laughs> but that's the reason that, um, everyone takes their mother to the Avengers on Mother's Day. <laughs> that's why. But is there a... Yeah, so... I, I, I know from my personal experience, whereas is like... I, I know that you have something like groupies, I guess, where you, you do have women who um, um, sort of like, I don't know, like attach themselves to you. Is that... Or glom on to you. Is that... Is that an unfair character? Is that an unfair portrayal? Is that an unfair description? No, that, that does happen. And... Um, you know, Jen, we're, we're talking about when I do my character, my signature character, Big Daddy Cool, you know, he's everything that I'm not. He's he's witty, he's funny, he's sexy, he's strong, and, and you know, every woman wants to be with him and every man wants to be like him. And um, I do. You know, at cons, there will be people who will, men and women, who will kind of glom on, as you say. Yeah. And... Um, and, and it can be, it can be very flattering, and sometimes it can be very tempting. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't know, and maybe it's just me. There's something a little bit just off about someone thinking that because you're a public figure that that you are subject to their fantasies and desires exactly. let's put it that way it's it's a little bit icky um yeah and 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 even just for cosplayers i've seen guys who are like you know built like chris hemsworth doing thor cosplay and these girls lose their minds yeah and they are they are grabbing and they are touching and fondling and for the most part, at first, guys dig it. At first, uh, yeah. But then it it gets real old, especially if you've got a wife or a girlfriend. And you have a wife or a girlfriend who, who's there, who is either she's either there or she's on Facebook, <laughs> and she sees something 
that I'm not saying this has ever happened to me, but like um, somebody will like you on Facebook who is provocative and says provocative yep. things. And the question is, is that um, is she really into that guy or is she really into Thor or is she really into Captain America, Iron Man, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, um, um, He-Man or whatever? I, 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 I'm so, I, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm, I'm grasping well, at characters here. OK, so so let's let's think about this from the opposite terms. Right. So. We, our society over sexualizes women uh, in, in comics and geek culture uh, and in pop culture. Women are subservient to men. They're there to serve their fantasies and, and act at their whim. That's, that's how they're portrayed in, in geek culture, pop culture, what have you. With some well, on the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, men are portrayed as the peak of male human perfection they they're they're perfect people and that's what makes it that's partly what makes them heroes right mm -hmm. they, they always do the right thing they always say the right thing they they look fantastic look I, kevin smith is never going to play a superhero <laughs> right i don't know and, i don't know i think well what kind of superhero <laughs> okay uh uh then let's put it this way uh um oh i can't even think of the kid's name now uh from super bad um right i know what you mean i know who you mean yeah 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 they they, they should be allowed to I mean, sure. there should be opportunities for that, and that's partly why I created Big Daddy Cool, was as a, a pushback or rejection against, you know, how popular culture portrays, you know, heavyset men. Um, but in, in our classic contemporary pop culture, superheroes are the ultimate expression of masculinity. And just like men look at these sexualized women or, or look at these cosplayers as sexual objects and, and, you know, their fantasy. Women, on the flip side, look at men and cause, you know, these characters that they're playing in the same way. It, it's different, but in very much, it, it's very much the same way. Look, this is going to sound very sexist, but it's true. There are differences between men and women. And, and genetically, men... And this is shown out through all history. So anyone listening to this can give me all the crap they want. But in all literature, in, in historical relevance, this is true. Men are conquerors. Women tend to be the ones being protected by men yeah. or mm -hmm. rescued. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so there's a very romanticized way that women look at men. They're looking, I mean, it's in our genetics, it's in our DNA. Women are looking for their hero. They're looking for their knight in shining armor. And it, it doesn't surprise me at all that geek girls project that same, that, that same role onto some of these guys cosplaying. Just the way that 
geek guys project their sexual fantasies on the female cosplayers. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. No, it makes perfect sense. It's, and it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I will say that it's absolutely true. You you want a protector, you want a hero, you yeah, that's that's totally what you want. Yeah, and it was and and when you look at it at that light, it, it's sort of, it's sort of like it's sort of sad if if you stop and think about it. Because the thing is, is that um, all the all the girls in sci-fi fantasy or whatever that um, are the most popular. I think in in science fiction and fantasy are the are, are the women like um, like Starbuck is a fine example Ripley from the Alien movies. There are so many other strong female women characters who don't want a protector, and yet they have they have like these incredible fan bases because they don't need a man. And which makes some of us men want them even more. And I'm like, well, that's right. There is something inherently attractive about a strong, independent woman who doesn't need me. She wants me. She likes me. She doesn't need me. And I think that's that's, that's the ultimate, though. Isn't that what you? Yes. Isn't that what you want out of reality, though? Yes. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they, those. That's why those women are so popular. I think it's a weird dichotomy that we're going through. I think that it was just like, and here's the thing: I don't think that we've ever had sort of like the social issues that we've had that we have now. I, I think that it was like if you were to go to the back in time and talk to somebody in the 1700s and explain them this these social phenomenons. I think that first, you, I mean, after you explain the internet to them, you know, and, and explain to them, that, you know, this all the problems that we've discussed, and I say, wait a minute, when do you find the time when you're not fighting, you know, wild animals, the invading British and cholera, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I we've never had these, I, I, there are so many people who call them first world problems. And they are first world problems, but they're also serious problems because this is something that we're dealing with right now. And and one of the issues or one of the subsets of, of this is that people don't value themselves enough or they value themselves too much. And there's nothing in the middle there because the thing is that you have these guys who this hot chick is going to accept me for who I am with the exception of the fact that it's like I have body odor and I haven't done the laundry, you know, since Christmas and it's June. And, you know, I, I, I have nothing going on for myself. And then you have these women who, this is going to be, this is going to sound sexist, but there, I think that there are those women who go too far in trying to get attention because they undervalue themselves. Jen, am I, am I, am I, no, am right. I an asshole? You're, nope, you're right. You're right. You, you know? And it was just like, how did this happen? I mean, you know, how, how did we get to this point where, where men and women, men value themselves too much. Every man thinks that he, he's James Bond. But, and, but women will do anything. Is it because of daddy issues? I hate to say that. But do they feel like... <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, do, do women undervalue themselves, Jen? Yes. No, absolutely. Okay. Um, but I don't think there's one specific reason why i think there's a thousand different reasons why <laughs> all right so so let's let's take the opposite you know we were talking about <clears throat> internet porn 
women are sexual objects. They are there for men's desire. So let's look at that through the lens of a woman watching that and exposing herself to that because we know women watch porn too. Let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. No, no, hold on a well, second. Hold on, hold on. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this because I grew up in a very puritanical. I, I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, are there? Well, the women I know do. Okay. 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 I do. <laughs> let, let me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But no. I know and, a lot of so, my female friends don't. So, or uh, they don't admit to it if they do. Right. So, which so, might be true. so let's. Let's take that same that that same dichotomy. And what are we teaching women? That when you drop your clothes, when you dress provocatively, when you come on to a man, he should respond in kind and want you. So and those those women in those films are again mostly I they're they're very felt fit for the most part women you know again that that perfect ideal and so you get a geek girl who has some self-esteem issues to begin with maybe she's a little bit overweight and uh you know doesn't feel attractive doesn't feel like she meets that standard or let, let's forget porn for a minute let's just talk about fashion magazine standards oh, right yeah and and you feel like you don't meet that standard and when when you present yourself to a man he doesn't respond by wanting you sexually i think there are women who who because they have that low esteem they overdo it because they need to get that response because that's what society tells them validates them as a person I think you're awful, and I think that's. I know. I think you're right, and I think that's awful. I th- I think that everything you say is spot on, but the fact that that's how we're raising, that's how we're raising our daughters, or our sisters. And and there's like fine example. There's this thing called body shaming, where this girl who had a couple of extra pounds was shamed because she wore a slave princess leah bikini i i saw that model and i'll tell you she was gorgeous yeah i fell in love with her <laughs> i want to meet her exactly and and the thing is is that it's like if you if you don't look like giselle bunchen you can't you, you do you know who just uh oh, i have no idea who that is <laughs> john do you know who giselle bunchen is uh probably okay but you know, fill in the blank. Gal Gadot, really, Megan Fox, yeah, really hot woman. Is that what? Right. Okay. <laughs> like, um, uh, and that that gets into another theory of mine that for for our, our sports show that I, I don't think I'll ever have. But, but the thing is, is that we, uh, the thing, and I mean, the women in porn, or the vast majority of them, are Frankenstein's. They are the bride of Frankenstein because they've been so s- surgically altered. Or they've been chemically enhanced with the Botox and the facelifts or the plastic surgery to shave their noses and shins and stuff like that or whatever. That's not real. I mean, w- I mean, we're we're getting we're getting hyper excited over plastic Barbie dolls in porn because they're not real, except for certain other aspects of porn, <laughs> which I won't get into. 
but but the thing is is that and we shame I, on the one hand we shame girls because they don't meet this the the, the photoshop generation whereas it's like if you look at a picture Britney Spears is not really Britney Spears Britney Spears that you see on the cover of whatever magazine is not the real Britney Spears who grew up in Louisiana and became a, a pop sensation thanks to digital technology. There's nobody out there that looks that perfect without plastic surgery, hours of cardio exercises, and Photoshop and surgery. Mm-hmm. It, that's not that's that's not real. And it's like, I think that that's, it's a form of societal abuse. Am I wrong? I think you're spot on. It's, it's true. And and going back to what, what John said, um, I mean, if you look at the cover of, you know, Cosmo or, or any magazine, it, yeah, it's just a, a list of, you know, things you can do to, to please your guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the... It, it absolutely, you know, promotes that idea that, you know, all you need to do is this, and you will elicit this response in turn. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think people, I think women subscribe to that, you know, and that's how it should work, and they will go out of their way to make it work that way. Um, if it doesn't, it's devastating, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but yeah, that's the, that's the message they get from the time they're, a teen reading those magazines well and and that kind of brings us full circle to the to the problem at hand is when when women cosplaying do elicit that response from men who have no social skills now it's a problem yeah right isn't that messed up i like i said we have never had a society that is that has had these these specific problems and I and um, and it's like I hate to say this but the thing is that it makes it, I, it, I'm scared for my kids I'm scared for what my kids have to worry about when they when they become 18 or 21 or 30 and they leave the house they leave the roost what's waiting for them out out, out in the real world and then couple that with the thing is is that uh, pretty soon women are gonna have to like compete with robots sex bots because I read something a, a short while ago that by um, 2050, like 75% of all people are going to be having sex with robots. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Where do you come up with this statistic? What do you read? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> I know. And it was just like, what kind of what kind of world are we giving our kids? You know? And it's like, I mean, no, this is this is just like one of those. It's not National Enquirer or anything like that. There are people in other countries and maybe even our own countries that are try, trying to build um, uh, women who are perfect in every way. But they're robots. They're not real people. They're, they, they have synthetic plastic skin and stuff like that and it's like they're not real women but they're just like it's it's like they're they're automated sex toys and it's like somebody had said that you know by 2050 people will be having more sex with robots than they are with like other real people and i'm just like what you know and it's like that that's a scary that's a scary world to be living in 
<laughs> yeah. I've got nothing for that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I'd buy that. But <laughs> you know, anything. I, I've been wrong before. Anything's possible, I guess. I mean, hey, listen. Back in the '60s and '70s, the internet was just a mere dream. I mean, who would have known that we'd be having computers like this? You know, I mean, who? I mean, it's just like anything's out of the realm of. Uh, but the thing is, is that I think the point that I was trying to make before I I got sidetracked with sex with robots. <laughs> Is that, is that um, uh, you know, if things are like this now, how are things going to be like when, when my kids reach their 20s or 30s? And, or they have kids. What is the world going to be like for our grandchildren? And it's like, is that, a, is, that a, well, is that a healthy concern to have? Yes, but you know what? The fact that you have that concern means that you're already teaching your kids i hate to use the cliche right from wrong but i i mean that's that's the truth you know i look i'm i'm a good southern baptist guy and so i i have two kids and i we you know we live by the adage that old biblical adage teach a child in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it you know you just teach your kids to do the right thing and to live, you know, the, their lives in, in a way that is above reproach. And, you know, yeah, they might, they might mess up, but when they're adults in the same place that we are, they're going to, they're going to remember that. And that's see, and I think Eric, really, that's the biggest problem that we have is you said you blame the parents. Well, that's exactly right. We, we got a generation of parents who are, you know, saying anything goes and everyone gets a participation trophy. You know, nobody's feeling gets hurt. Nobody, you know, if feels left out, but everything is okay as long as you're having fun. And there's no, there's no real instruction no. going on. And, you know, I, I think we're starting to see that turn the corner, though. And I think our generation with our kids are are correcting that because we're seeing everybody else's kids how messed up they are and you know our friends or you know the generation just under us the millennials how selfish and thoughtless they are yeah and i'm sorry jen if you're a millennial and i just offended you <laughs> no she's our age she's our, she, oh, she's, she's fantastic <laughs> kind of <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're like what? You're like five years younger than me, more or less, okay. and, you know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying is is that, you know, just by us having the conversation and, and by you being concerned, you're already doing what you need to do as a parent to make sure that your kids don't end up all jacked up. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I do think that it was just like, sometimes it does feel like it's an uphill battle because not only am I trying to teach my kids right from wrong, while at the same time, you know, here's right and wrong, but don't be a judgmental prick. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, you know, here's right and wrong, but don't join the Westboro Church. Um, and then, but then at, at, at the same time, it's like, I, I'm, one of the things I have to contend with are some of the things that my kids come home, that behavior that was unheard of, 20 or 30 years ago is now becoming normalized 
And it's like, I, yeah. I, I know of a lot of people who, like, um, you know, smoke with their kids at the age of, like, 13 or 14. And when I mean smoke, I mean, I'm not just talking, like, you know, Marlboro menthols. Yeah, you know, you're talking about marijuana. Right. And uh, that, that uh, yeah, see, and, and see, where I would come down on that is I would be like, all right, when you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. But there's there's certain things that are age appropriate, and I'm not gonna let you do something that's not age appropriate. Right. You know, and that's where, regardless of what the legality is or you know morality is, you know, I, I, yeah, I I don't know how to express how I'm feeling without you know going off on a tirade, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm kind of there with you. Yeah. You know, there's there's a difference between uh, legal moral and just the right thing to do exactly exactly so so i'm, I'm thinking that maybe maybe it's about time we we, we uh we turn the page and we, we we talk about something that's that's fun and entertaining and 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 see where it takes us i think that one of the things i wanted to do and i was saving this topic for next week and maybe this is a teaser for next week i i wanted to talk about how um uh, you and I are into creating our own media, John, and Jen to yes. the same extent. Um, I'm sure that you've read about this a lot. Paramount Pictures um, uh, came down from Mount Paramount and came down with their new Ten Commandments for fan films. And I read some of these, and I thought it was very draconian. I thought that a lot. I, I haven't heard about this yet. Are you kidding? No. I've, I've missed this completely. Okay, you know what a fan film is, right? Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. Okay, the thing is, is that there was this thing called Star Trek Axanar, whereas a bunch of people from Hollywood wanted to make their own Star, Star Trek movie. Yep, and, I remember this. And they hired some actors who had played other characters in other incarnations of Star Trek and, and Battlestar Galactica, which I thought was pretty pretty cool professional actors and um um uh, hollywood level special effects and and they were doing a big huge crowd um gofundme and and kickstarter and all these other programs to get the money yep to, i remember that to finish yeah. this movie well um paramount pictures and i i remember thinking at the time eric how are they getting away with this it, well, because it, at that at that point it's no longer a fan film. No. That's, that's a major Hollywood production. No, and it's no different than if, if I had $100 million and I made my own Star Wars movie. Um, that's right. It's exactly the same thing. And then, But the thing is, is that Paramount Pictures came down and said, okay, here are the new ten rules. If you're going to make a, uh, a Star Trek fan film, you have to use costumes and props that are sold from... Um, uh, people with licenses, like if you're gonna, it's like if you're going to use like a like a next generation uniform, you have to buy it from these people, or you have to make your own. You can't buy and you can't buy unlicensed stuff. You can't buy unlicensed props. You can't buy unlicensed uniforms and whatever. You can't hire people who have been employed by Paramount Pictures to do Star Trek in the past. You can't reuse your own character more than once. And each fan film can only be 20 minutes long. No more. And there was a whole bunch of other things, whereas, like, you can't use you can't use Kickstarter 
or GoFundMe or anything like that. And the thing is, is that you can't sell your DVDs. You have to give them away for free, or you have to put it on something like YouTube, YouTube, you, um, and allow people to watch it for free. And you can't use the the name Star Trek in your title. You can't call it Star Trek Axanar, or you can't call it Star Trek Orange, New Hampshire, or anything like that. You can't have the but. But the thing is, you have to have a disclaimer that says Star Trek is a property, blah blah blah, of Paramount Pictures. And I looked at this, and there there are quite a few. Um, um, other properties out there like Star Trek Renegades and, and New Voyages and Star Trek Continues and all like that. And then, in, what, do you, uh, what, are, what are these people going to do now who have invested all this time and money? Well, well all right, so I'm going to say this because I am a creator of my own media. Exactly. I and I, I, and, and I've, <clears throat> I've uh, published books, I've published you know, plays and musicals and I have a, a, a stage act that is very unique to me that I've invested a lot of time and effort into. And I got to tell you, if if a fan took my intellectual property and published or created their own version of it and made profit from it, I would have a problem with that because it's not theirs. Exactly. Exactly, and, and and so Paramount saying this, it, I I can't fault them. No, now maybe some of maybe some of the things are ridiculous, like you know you have to buy costumes from a licensed producer. I know why they're saying that; they want to protect their brand. Of course, but 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 you know that that may be unrealistic. But you know, saying hey, twenty minutes tops, I, hey, I don't have a problem with that because they're at least they're saying, all right, we understand that there is some some general pop culture consciousness shared ownership of these properties because of the the iconic nature that they've taken on and we're going to let you play in our sandbox but you got to follow these rules and i don't i don't think that should be a problem for anyone i don't have a problem with them saying that personally right now, I was listening to another podcast. Shame on me. I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> but the thing is, is that in preparation of this time, I, I, I was listening to the guy who actually wrote the rules. And the host of this podcast it says, what, do you, what are you really trying to do? And the thing is, is that he came out and he says, look, this is just between you and me. What I really want people to do is I want you to do what George Lucas did back in 1974. We know you love science fiction movies. We know you like... There's a lot of talented people out there. Create your own damn universe. Create your own damn franchise. Could you imagine if, if back in 1975, George Lucas had said, I want to make a Star Trek fan film. Well... Where, where would we be today? <laughs> that is an excellent point. And, and even more along that line... So Spielberg and Lucas actually did collaborate on what was in essence a pitch for their own fan film. Yeah. Um, it was going to be a major studio release. They wanted to do Doc Savage. Yes. And the studios rejected it. As a result, they retooled the character, the story, and the setting and we got Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Exactly. 
because they couldn't play with somebody else's toys. I got five words for you. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> I mean, what if what if that I mean, um a lot of people agree or disagree about if that was a good movie or not. Um I love it by the way. I think but, it's awesome. But the thing is Yeah, that, I do too. It's one of my favorites. But the thing is is like what you know, what if what if um um, uh, Carrie Conrad said, I, 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 want, I want to do an Indiana Jones fan film. And the thing is, is that, you know, it, it, it would, I don't think it would have ever have gotten off the ground. And it was just no. like, and, and, and the thing is, is, like, I look at all the hard work that these people put into these products. And the thing is, is like, if they just tweaked it, whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek fan films, tweak it. Make yourself. Like, um, start your own franchise. And it's like you look at somebody like Tim Russ, who is a, as a Hollywood insider. Tim Russ, why are you still making Star Wars, uh, Star Trek um, um, films when you could be making your own thing? Now he is. Now Renegades is standing on its own, as its own property now, which is like something I think he should have done a long time ago. But the thing is, you don't, you don't, why are you spending thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to play in somebody else's sandbox when you're never going to get a return on your investment? Does that make me a, a bad fanboy to say that? No, not at all. And, and, you know, this is something I harp on all the time, is that in the fan community, there is this weird sense of ownership and entitlement over these stories and these characters, mm-hmm. and we and we really saw the 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 peak of that after uh, Star Wars Episode One, Phantom Menace. Yeah, the 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 backlash from the fan community was so vitriolic because fans really felt like they had ownership over this story, and by God, George Lucas didn't do it the way I wanted him to. Well, it's not your story, dude. They're not your characters. Calm down. Here's and, the, and yeah, go ahead, please. And and that's where that's where the fan films are born from, is this desire to either um, celebrate their fandom or, in some cases, to say, "Hey, I did it better." Yeah, I, I think that I think that that's the issue. I think that. Um, but here's two other examples that I think that it's like. Whereas this, you have a property that is so beloved by rabid fanboys, um, the original book by Frank Herbert, Dune, and then you have um, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. And the thing is, is that everybody has in their mind, everybody has a picture of what Dune or Lord of the Rings should look like. And if it doesn't look exactly like what the fanboys think it should look like inside their head, God help you. God help you. But and the thing is, is that Dune got it wrong because they because David Lynch played had a little liberties with part of the Dune story, whereas Peter Jackson was painfully loyal to the body of work. And there's an example of how you can do it right and how you can do it wrong, and. And the difference is epic. It's it's epic the way one is really super successful and the other one is um, it's just a glitch. It's a blip on the Hollywood radar. It's something that they'll never do again. 
And I think that because Dune was such a horrible failure, they didn't take on big projects like Lord of the Rings until 20 or 30 years later. Um, I, I mean, Dune was just a bad movie it's, to begin with. Well, but. It was eye candy for people who love the book. Anything beyond that, it's a horrible movie. Well, and see, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. Okay. I, you know, I saw the first Lord of the Rings movie, and I just, when it ended, I was like, that's it? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I just spent three hours watching people walk around the woods and up and down the mountains. What? <laughs> and and But I know people who, who are fans of the book, they just loved it. They thought, oh my gosh, it's so loyal to the source material, and I was just like, oh, kill me now. And, and there are there are other people like me out there. I've I've learned since who who uh, had the same feeling. But isn't it ironic? Think about this for a minute. We're talking about playing in other people's sandboxes. Yeah. That the the three three of the biggest directors today, Peter Jackson, J.J. Abrams, and Michael Bay, have made their career. Playing in somebody else's sandbox, but because they had permission to do so first. Well, yes, I, I just find it a little bit ironic when when we're talking about creating something that's your own and and original. I mean, they've put their own stamp on it, but you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I and I think that it was just like there's a lot of people who have a lot of really great ideas. And I think that what Kathleen Kennedy came out and said after Disney bought the um, um, Star Wars franchise is that there's going to come a time after Rogue One where people can solicit us to make movies, but they have to go through the right channels. If you want to make a great two-hour Star Wars movie with all of with everything that comes with it, with all the resources, you have to go through me first with your script. I think that I think that's the that's the best way to go through the entire fan film phenomenon. Get permission first, and then have all the resources. Come up with a great story, and and jump through the hoops the way that you should. Jen, am I wrong here? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Okay. And and the librarian part of me is going to say yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, we, we were talking about yeah. copyright infringement earlier tonight. Whereas people will like stomp all over. There's a warning saying don't publicly, like, uh, don't, what's, what's the word I'm looking oh, for? for public performance. Not for public yeah. performance. And people will use videos for public performance to raise money for whatever. Like they'll show Casablanca and you, you, you make a donation for whatever to, to rebuild the, the, the theater that burned down 30 years ago in the middle of town. And it was where people stomp all over other people's, and I do it occasionally, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, and what's really it. ironic about that is it's not hard to get permission to do stuff like that. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need help with this. <laughs> how, 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 do you, how do you do it properly? Do you just write a letter to Paramount Pictures saying, or I write? Depends how often you're going to do something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, uh, I needed to get permission to use a song in one of my shows, um, I just I just called up the publisher, and I, I literally picked up the phone and I said, "Hey, I need permission to use the song." And they were like, "What are you, you going to use it for?" And I told them how many people are going to be there, and I told them. 
And they said, where's the money going? I told them. And at the end of the day, they said, okay, here, here's the paperwork you need to fill out. And it really, it was, it was a piece of cake. Um, people, creators, studios, labels, what have you, they want their work to be seen and heard. They really do want as many people to see it and hear it as possible. So if you're able to provide them you know, a legitimate audience and a legitimate purpose, then, then they're going to say okay. To wrap this up, um, do you think cosplay is an infringement on copyright? Sometimes. Yeah, I think I think I think it's like one of those areas where you have to stop and think, because mm-hmm. the thing well, is, it's like if you're making your own Wolverine costume, mm-hmm. I think that that's fine. But once you start selling your Wolverine copies or replicas of your Wolverine costume, or getting paid to appear as Wolverine, mm-hmm. or selling prints of you as Wolverine, now you're infringing on the copyright. Really. See, yeah. because the thing is, is that there, there are, there are, there are some. I, I guess can you can you call them famous cosplayers who sell prints of themselves? In- yeah, th- that's coming to an end very, very quickly. Who do you think? Um, who do you think is going to come down on that the hardest, the fastest? Paramount, Marvel, Disney, Lucasfilm. Well, Marvel has started cracking down on conventions, and, and that's how they're doing it. Um, what was it? The uh, I want to say Santa Fe Comic Con. This year was the first major con that said um, that they would not have any paid cosplayers that do yeah. copyrighted characters, and they even and they even went a step further. And this was at the direction of Marvel and DC. They're not allowing any vendors to sell any. Um, unlicensed prints or original art of copyrighted characters and you know that's been a lifeblood of artist alleys at these cons and um really uh the cons are cracking down on it because the publishers are cracking down on them and the because the publishers are sending people to these cons to see the count how many violations there are against their copyright but the thing is that there's a part of oh there's a part, oh yeah go well ahead. absolutely um I, but i think that there's a part of me that says as an artist and as as a content creator isn't it about time isn't it about the time that listen if you're really good at drawing comics isn't it about time that you come up with your own character and come up mm-hmm. with your own storyline yes <laughs> <laughs> oh but see it's harder to sell that eric yeah, but then the thing is, is that it's like... I'm a, not defending, by the way. Right. I'm being... <laughs> facetious? Yeah, I'm being facetious. Yes. I, I think the thing is, is that, I mean... The, it, it is harder. But then it's like the sweet of the fruits of the labor. Because the thing is, is that it's like if Stan Lee... Maybe Stan Lee might be a bad example, because a lot of people blame that he took a credit for the stuff that Jack Kirby did. But the thing is, is that it was just like... You know, you know I'm sorry, doesn't... Doesn't George Lucas have a mansion with a pool and a couple of cars? And you know, don't don't you know? Doesn't doesn't Stan Lee have? Like I said, Stan Lee might be a bad example, <laughs> but the thing is that don't these content creators 
don't don't they don't they make money they make money don't they and yes. it, it should that's that's <laughs> i think that's the way it should be and i think i think that the thing is is that for this to come full circle i think it's time for everybody and there's never been a better time to create your own content and start your own empire yes I'd agree oh with absolutely this is the best time for it because you have so you have facebook you have all the social media you have you have the the the, the 21st century equivalent of a gutenberg printing press <laughs> Well, and honestly, I never wanted to cosplay as something that was already known, uh-huh. because I don't want people to look at me and try to determine whether I'm a good or a bad whatever. Um, <laughs> You're both. I'd rather just be. You know, I'd rather just you know pick a time, pick a style, pick a something, and and yeah, and go with that. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement, and I know that we're probably going to get some angry ang- angry fanboys and fangirls, but that's okay. That's okay because we're not milk toast. Well, that's all right. We, th- that's right, and the people who are angry aren't grown-ups, so <laughs> you know they they don't have the money to hire me for their private event. So, not saying that I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> they're gonna hold their breath until they turn blue until we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the final thoughts on well, this? Well, look, yeah, if, if you're someone who's... I, I would just say if you're someone who's listening to this and anything that we have said has rubbed you the wrong way and offended you, good. <laughs> Maybe it's time that you take a look at who you are and what you're doing and and really do some self-analysis. I Again, think- just saying. I, I think that's a, that's a perfect final word. I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> John, do you have anything new to promote this week for yourself, speaking of content? Is there anything you want to... Uh, yeah, you know, um, Diesel Powered Podcast, we are back with our uh, Diesel Punk and Pop Culture Roundtable this week. Um, Larry Emiette and... Uh, Daisy O'Dare and I are back on the roundtable. We've kind of been on and off for the last uh, little bit because of technology issues, and we've got that resolved. So uh, tomorrow night we'll be recording a brand new roundtable. And uh, big, big, big news that uh, we'll be talking about with Larry Amiet, uh around dieselpunks.org. Oh, that's great. Uh, so you, uh, you'll want to... Yeah, you want to tune in on that and uh, get the scoop and uh, some other cool stuff uh, happening. And and so that'll be coming out next week. And then uh, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, July 16th in Nashville, I'll be doing uh, Tales from the Flipside Live, the uh, music and magic inspired by my book of the same name. Of course, appearing as the King of Swing, the Tower of Power, Big Daddy Cool, Johnny Delaraca, swinging solid and laying down a smoking groove so cool it'll make you flip your lid. And uh, that's at the uh, Centennial Black Box Theater at uh, Centennial Park, and you can get tickets at uh, BigDaddyCoolShows.com. All right. Uh, Jen, is there anything, <laughs> any final last words for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, can I go to bed now? (laughs) This is what I do to all my house guests. (laughs) We're going to record a podcast tonight, whether you like it or not. I don't know. Am I I the person that's driven the farthest to do a podcast? 
Is that me? So far. Okay. All right. I do have that to my credit. <laughs> You're also the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the thing is, is that this is, I, this is actually what I'm recording right now with uh, John and Jen is going to be a, the official episode one of of the Electric Speakeasy podcast. Nice. Whereas every week I'm going to be doing a roundtable um, but I don't want to call it Roundtable because John, your other podcast is called Roundtable, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to steal any of your time. Uh, no, 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 no. We we don't call it a Roundtable. Okay. It's just it's just uh, the normal. It is a Roundtable format, but we we don't use that title. Okay. It's just uh, you know diesel punk and pop culture. Okay. Okay. But the thing is, is that I thought. Well, since I already own the name uh, Electric Speakeasy, this is this is episode one, the Electric Speakeasy podcast, where I invite um, uh, random friends and family to come over and just talk about subjects of the week. And uh, John, you are always the perfect gentleman, the perfect guest. And uh, Jen, we're going to have to have you on again, like real soon. Not every week, though. Not every week. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, once in a while. So, as always, if you have any topics that you'd like us to talk about or or uh, whatever, always drop us a line. Um, visit us on on Facebook and uh, and uh, Twitter. You can easily find us. Just search for Fedora Chronicles, and there we are. And uh, John, um, I cannot wait to talk to you. And I, I, but before that, I can't wait to hear your next podcast. Um, that's that's always that's that's. Uh, it, it, it keeps me on the straight and narrow, and it's an inspiration for me. I'll tell you that right now. I, I, I love, I love seeing. Well, very cool. I'm, e- I'm honored. Every time I turn around, I, I see something that that you're doing this doing fresh, and I'm saying, that rascal. <laughs> I got to get off my ass and do something myself too. So just get to, please don't stop what you're doing because you are you're you're always a delight. So with that said, I'm gonna, I appreciate it. I'm going to wish everybody a good night, and uh, we'll see you next time. This has been the Electric Speakeasy Podcast. You can support us by making a donation via paypal.me slash Chronicles. We thank you in advance for any support you have to offer. You're the reason why we do this show, and we appreciate your help in keeping the lights on. You can also support the show by buying our products at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have countless of products with our logos on them, and we also take special requests. If you have an idea for a product, design, slogan, whatever, let us know. You can get in touch with us via the Fedora Chronicles Twitter and Facebook pages. That's a great way to suggest future topics, tell us what you like about the show, or just keep in touch. We'll even read some of your comments on the air. The Electric Speakeasy Podcast is a product of the Fedora Chronicles Network, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. This is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off, reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. Thanks for listening.